Welcome to the Financially Intentional Podcast Expert Edition. Every Tuesday, I'll be joined by an expert in a particular field that is here to help you get your money right. These people are going to impart some serious knowledge, y'all. I'll be right here learning right beside you guys. So be prepared to take notes and more importantly, be prepared to take intentional action. We are back with Dr. J and we have a hot topic for you today. So we're going to talk about whether to pay down debt versus invest. And this is one of the leading questions I get. And this is something that I have a personal story around that is near and dear to my heart. That is one of the things that I classify as one of my biggest money mistakes. So we're going to get into it, but I want to just welcome you back, Dr. J. Hey. Hey, I, you know, you had meant, you would like to give me a hint a while back about this story you got. And I got to mm-hmm. hear the whole thing. But I have a feeling this is going to be a fun discussion. I think it's going to be a fun discussion and one that a lot of people can learn from. And I'm actually interested in learning because these expert episodes are really me learning alongside my audience. And so let's dig into it. Let me tell you my story. And I call this my $80,000 story. Okay. So as you know, when I started off with my finances, I was a big, and I like to say, you shall not be named fan, also named, known as Dave Ramsey. And I was attracted to Dave Ramsey because, you know, not because of, you know, him being this white evangelical Christian, but because he helped so many people. And those debt-free screams just really got me because I saw people in more debt than me with that made way less than me accomplish some pretty crazy things in a shorter period of time. And I'm talking about usually paying off massive amounts of debt on two, over two years on average. And so I was like, if they can do it, I can do it. And so I went head first into, you know, the baby steps. And so... I'm a nurse in Northern California. And at that time I was working two jobs. So I was grossing around $230,000 in California. I have to say this because. So, that, so in real world, that's like, you know, $50,000, you know. Oh my California, God, I hate two, when people say that. I hate you know when I'm people right. say that. No, it's hey, not right. <laughs> I, I'm in Mississippi. If you made $230,000 in Mississippi, you'd be in the top 1% of salary in in the state. But yeah, that's not the case here. It's pretty, the poverty level for a family for four in the San Francisco Bay Area is well over $100,000. To give you a contrast, the median income for the state of Mississippi is $45,000. Ooh, ouch. Okay, so when I talk about it being $50,000 elsewhere, I'm sorry, it kind of is close. I'll put it into perspective. So my mortgage, which obviously was my biggest expense during that time was about $4,400 a month. Childcare about $2,000 a month. My student loan payments about $1,900 a month. So, I mean, like in 1900, the student loan payments are independent of where I lived, but you know, all those other expenses are gas and all of those kind of things were a little bit cheaper back then. And before I had an electric vehicle, but you know, those things factored in because I had an hour commute. Right. And then, you know, I live in California, so I got to drive an electric car. Duh. <laughs> it's required with your avocado toast in one hand. Of course. 
So anyway, so $230,000, which, and I was in student loan debt after both of my master's degrees, I came out with like $180,000 in student loan debt. And I was on public service loan forgiveness because the hospital that I work at qualified for public service loan forgiveness, but it is income-based. And so my payments, like I said, at that time were $1,900 a month. So I don't know if you've had to deal with loan service. I know you came out of school with no debt, but dealing That's with loan service. That's because I was smart about my college. All right. Seriously. Right. And and the thing is, is that kudos to you, but not everybody knows. I wasn't taught how to, I wasn't taught that. And I feel like a lot of things you would think are common sense. But for me, I was told to get through school by any means necessary. And when you go to a school or a financial, the financial aid office, they don't teach you, this is actually what you can afford. They're like, take out these loans. And I think a lot of people need to understand that. Yes, you came from a different kind of like, first of all, you were a millionaire before you went back to school. So let's, <laughs> we already talked about that, but it's a kind of different money mindset. For me, I was taught you go to school by any means necessary and you kind of figure it out along the way. And so, yeah, student loans are what was offered for me. And I thought that's what everybody did. And so, I mean, I started college at 17. I never had seen those numbers before. And so when I'm signing these commitments to this financial aid, I thought that's what I was supposed to do. And it didn't dawn on me how they could affect me for the rest of my life. So I'm going to give myself a little grace, even if you don't, Dr. J. No, I, <laughs> no I, I'm hating on the college system. I'm not hating on you. No, like, it's, it's horrible. And I think, oh, what's the book that people should read about student loans and how it works? I think the, we need to the, highlight that because people don't, I think, underestimate that. I think what you have to do with college, we'll get back to your regular story, is mm -hmm. assume you can't use loans. You can find a way to go to college. 100%. If you, if, if you 100%. like loans are not an option, then you'll apply for scholarships. You'll work your way through it. You'll use things like modern states where you test out. But the, 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 the university system is broken. We're giving high school students a mortgage payment. Seriously. And then expecting them to be able to figure it out. So that was me. So $180,000 in student loans. And by the way, I went to USC, which is a, a private school that is hell of expensive. And for six years from our undergrad and for grad school. And for that program, I actually came out with only $40,000 in debt. It was when I went to the state school that I was supposed to be subsidized that they hit me over the head with a massive amount of debt. So I'm just, put, I'm just putting that out there because, you know, a lot of people will hate on private schools, but they have a lot of funding and endowments that can make it so that you can go to school for almost nothing. Anyway, that's another, that's another podcast for another day. So follow Dave Ramsey. I was gung-ho, like I'm about to do these baby steps, learn zero-based budgeting, mastered that. Took me about two to three months to do that, get that down. Then I was at my death snowball and I was like, I started really late. I started in my early, in my late thirties. And I was like, I want to be debt-free by the time I'm 36. So this means that in order to do that, I need to put at least $6,000 a month towards my student loan debt. And mind you, I'm making, I'm bringing home about $20,000 a month, right? Give or take. So $6,000 in relationship. And like I told you what my other expenses were, it wasn't a stretch, right? It, it was doable. It's a lot. It's very aggressive, but it was doable. But it came, that came from a mindset of me not even having $50 in my savings account. 
But that shift from just following those steps got me there in a relatively short period of a period of time, just a couple of months. So I'm attacking my debt. And of course, Dave Ramsey says that, you know, when you're paying off debt, you do not invest. And so I think I started investing when I was working at the hospital I'm currently working at that had a 403B. My other hospital had a 457. I wasn't, I mean, this one had, I mean, not a 457. My other hospital had a 401k. So I wasn't investing at my other hospital because I was per diem there, but I was full-time at this hospital. And so in my 403B, I was putting 10% in there. And when I started, you know, getting really aggressive, I was like, well, Dave Ramsey said you can't invest. So I stopped investing anything. Well, so I have the potential at this company to be able to invest the max of the 401, the 403B, which it was 19,500. Okay. Plus a 457, which was 19,500. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when you factor in the employer match and then other places would have an HSA. I didn't, I didn't count that because we don't have an HSA. We have an FSA. So the, it took me about three years to pay off all my debt, which at the end of the day was close to a million dollars. after I sold my house, but I stopped investing during that time. And when I added up, if I had instead dropped my taxable income, right? Cause I'm in California. Oh, oh, sorry. I missed the biggest part of it. The biggest part of it was in my second year of paying off this debt. I was going through a divorce because I got married, abusive marriage, got divorced had to file Mary filing separately, which basically wipes out any kind of tax exemptions you have or any kind of benefits you get from your taxes. It wipes all of those things out. And I had to pay the IRS $30,000. So not only wasn't I decreasing my taxable income, now I owe and and not contributing to my retirement, I owe the IRS $30,000. So in these years, I could have, double pay. So almost 20, I'll just round it up for easy numbers, $40,000 into my, oh, I think it was $1,900 at that time, right? So, 195 yeah, close to that. Like, yep. Okay. So 19.5 times 19.5. So in my 403B, 457 and doing that for two years, let's just say it was two whole years, which I could have been contributing. That's $80,000, which I could have been saving and dropping my taxable income And then when I dropped my taxable income, then my student loan payments would have dropped, right? So mind you, I was on public service loan forgiveness and, but I was making double, triple payments at that time. Cause, but every, every time I made payments, my adjusted payment would kind of go down, but it started at $1,900 a month, right? And so I was meeting with someone when I first started this podcast who does, you know, student loan refinancing. And he was like, well, if you would have just adjusted down your, maxed out your retirement accounts, adjusted down your taxable income and kind of minimized how much you paid and not paid your loan off so aggressively, you could have saved this amount of money. And I think at that time, that was 2016, 2017, I, you know, still had like seven years of the 10 year window of the public service loan forgiveness. And so you know, like in 2020, we kind of hit this area where people didn't have to pay on their student loans, but those 
zero payments still counted towards their monthly payments, the 120 requirement, 120 payment requirement that you had to meet for your a public service loan forgiveness. And so I was like, I could have coasted those last couple of years with the last remaining bit of my debt and not had to pay. And so that's why I say I made the mistake of not investing while paying off my debt and how it affected me and looking at the money that I could have just invested, not even looking at the growth. I think it was a big mistake for me. What say you? All right, let me play with this. <laughs> okay. Boy, you give me a lot here. I got some notes. Let's, <laughs> we're going to have some fun with this. Yes. So here's what I just heard. If you had a crystal ball and could look seven years into the future, it would have been better off for you to do the public service loan forgiveness. Yes. Okay, cool. So do you read tarot cards at the same time? I mean, like, how are we looking at the future? <laughs> By the way, what you could have done instead is seven years ago, you could have bought a Bitcoin mining machine, made your own Bitcoin, and then made a whole lot more money. Yes, facts. So are you mad that you didn't start a Bitcoin operation uh, seven years ago, 10 years ago? No, <laughs> I'm, I'm not mad to get, I'm not even upset about getting rid of those loans but, at but, all. Let's, let's do the math. If you, bought a if you bought a machine for two grand, which is one, year, one month payment back in 2015, <laughs> that would have been probably millions of dollars if you sold at the right time for Bitcoin. But how come you're not beating yourself up about that? I don't know about Bitcoin, but my investment accounts were right in front of me and I stopped investing. And so okay. that for me, yeah. You got a math problem that's, that's uh, we call it a mental model problem. Here's mm -hmm. the thing. You're looking in the past and going, well, what if I had, you can't look in the past. So, all right, whether you like Dave Ramsey or not, you know, I, I, I'm also started with Dave Ramsey. I started as a Ramsey preferred coach at the time. But he talks about look through the, the windshield, not the rearview mirror. You're looking through the rearview mirror and saying, I wish I had done things. All right. Knowing what you know now. So let me give, let me mess with your facts a little bit. <laughs> if. Instead, your public service loan forgiveness had hit the 10-year window in 2017 or 2018, most likely it would have been denied. The amount of people that got proved on the public service loan forgiveness under the last president. No, but I was, was, on, I was on public service loan forgiveness. Oh, I understood. Okay. But oh, even okay. the people that qualified who got had it. 120 payments, most of them were denied. Okay? So timing matters here. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. So you're using now COVID. So you're saying, I wish in 2016, I knew there was going to be a, a worldwide pandemic. Mm -hmm. And that would have changed my finances. Mm -hmm. I want some of whatever you're smoking in California. Because I mean, it's not legal here. <laughs> you know, we got some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't smoke, but we do. <laughs> but I mean, like, seriously, you're talking about what ifs. And if yeah. you get stuck in the what if land, you will never make progress. Right. The only thing you can do is, is work on your plus your own life move forward. So let me pull apart a couple other fun stuff on this. one. You're right. You could have lowered your taxable. Now, here's the thing. That's a tax question, not an investing question. Okay. Yes, yes. And what were you doing? Six, seven percent on interest on that? I think maybe even lower. <laughs> maybe like five or six percent. Six percent is kind of the, the average. Yeah, the average. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. So you had $10,000 a year in interest being added onto that loan. So that loan, if you had gone to the public service loan forgiveness and a lower income, would have been growing each month. 
Now, here's the thing. I can't guess what the heck the government's going to do with student loans right now. And, and we're in the courts and the you know, forgiveness and the blah, blah. Who knows? Like, seriously, there's no way to know. So I can't plan on any of that. I can plan on paying off my loans. That's the only thing I can control. And that $10,000 is a tax-free, risk-free return of 10000 There is no way you're getting that same return in the market. So I, I'm with you. I, I actually thought we we're going to go a different way, and I can argue some of Ramsey stuff. But here's the thing. The argument you're making about I should have used public service loan forgiveness because of COVID, and it would have got – yeah, that's BS. Like, seriously, like, that's like, well, what if I had, you know, landed on the moon and, you know, like, it just, I mean, the, the hindsight of that is just, you, there's no way I can tell you what your student loan is going to be like in 10 years from now. Right. For anyone listening now. Right. But uh, even without, even without forgiveness, right, it could be argued that, you know, I, I would have, I would have, my payments would have been drastically lowered and I could have still been investing by paying a really low minimum because I'm reducing my tax. My, I'm doing my mag, reducing my magi, right? Your loan payment would have gone down, but you the, you would have never covered the interest. So the total loan amount would be going up year over year. Now here's right, what but then the premise of the public service loan forgiveness is at the end of the uh, ten years after the end, after the end of the 120 payments is done. You're done, right? And that is the premise. That's as long the premise. As they, yes. they approve it. Yes. In, in in the previous administration, they approved less than one percent of applications for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Like people that had been in the program for ten years didn't get it. Mm-hmm. That's the problem with that equation. Mm-hmm. Is you're hoping politics doesn't change. Mm-hmm. So for those that aren't PSLF and are on the income driven repayment programs, those go up twenty or twenty five years before you get forgiveness. But that comes with a tax bill. You pay taxes on what's forgiven. So, okay, let's pull this apart. Should you have lowered your taxable? Maybe. But here's the thing. The interest you would have paid in the debt would have offset it. For people listening, would your advice be, okay, stretch out your, your student loans and invest? I would say look at your situation and meet with your tax person because like you said, it's a tax person. It's a, that's a tax question. Meet with a tax advisor, meet with maybe a student loan specialist that understands your exact situation because it's going to vary state by state. It's going to vary depending on if you're married or not, how you file your taxes. Let's not forget I had to pay $30,000 in taxes though. And, that, and again, that was on. a unique situation. You had to pay thirty thousand dollars in tax because you weren't have enough withhold withholding from your paycheck, and you had a divorce in the middle, right? Facts. That's and by the way, once again, no way I can. You come to me as a as a CFP, I'm not going to be able to like, oh, she's coming up for a divorce. We should change her tax withholding. No, like seriously, like there's no way to know that either. So I, where I'm going with this is, first of all, give yourself a little break, seriously. And, and it wasn't an eighty thousand dollar mistake because your math is off a little. And, what, what I would argue is if you had come to me and said, hey, I should be investing at least enough for my match in my 401k. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, a company says if I put 6% in, they'll give 3%. I could argue that and go with, yep, and then the rest goes to debt. Like seriously, I could, I, could, I could buy that. My general advice is pay your debt off first, then go investing. Because here's the thing. If you had a credit card debt, let's use that one for example. Oh, yeah, that's a whole. I did not because I had a bankruptcy, so I didn't have any credit cards. 
Yeah, you missed that little step there uh, <laughs> in the way, story. That was from way back. Well, we but you notice that, well, that was a part of the story that, you know. So here's yeah. the thing. The reason why Dave Ramsey gets hate, besides some of his politics and just who he is, that's a separate discussion, but is because he simplifies things. And probably a bit too much, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But he, here's the thing. If you got any consumer debt, credit card, car, things like that, you got to pay that off before you invest. Like that's like an almost absolute because there's no way you're going to beat 20% return on the market. Your credit card is 20% or more and it's inflation and it's going up. And by the way, I saw something the other day. Somebody said some of the cards are as high as 30%. Oh, the rates are ridiculous right now. Like like, crazy. Most, most states like top out at 26 or 20, like there's a max rate. So most of the credit cards have hit that max. Some states don't have that limit. So, okay, if I have $10,000 in credit card debt, I have $3,000 of interest being added each year. And they're like, oh, I'm making $50 minimum payments. I'm like, that ain't even touching it. Like, that's... Right. So, I think the hard part is, we're on a podcast, we're talking to people all over the world, and this is US-only advice, but my thing is, I have to give general rules enough that most people can follow. You would have to prove to me there's a reason why you should invest over paying your debt. You know, okay, you're trying to go down tax and the public service level. Okay, all of those assumptions are valid, assuming the public service loan forgiveness program stays. There's no guarantee of that. Yeah, facts. I mean, we uh, see we see what's happening to forgiveness and all of these things right now. Like this, this student loan system is is almost too overwhelming for me, and I don't even have student loans yep. to even try to follow what's going on. And so I know if I still had those student loans, it would be anxiety provoking. And so I am not, I am not saying at all that I regret paying off my student loans. Let me be clear. I just wish I would have optimized the path for me. So here's the thing on the optimizing the path, the extra interest would have killed you because you would have never, you have to, the way it works with public service loan forgiveness is you have to either choose to pay the lowest, lowest amount possible, run it out 10 years or pay off your loan. There's nowhere in between. Yeah. You can't be kind of pregnant. You know, you have to pick one or the other. <laughs> so, you know, what happens is people go, well, what if they forgive? And what if, yeah, what if, okay, sure. You want to keep that student loan around, you know, and just like, baby it fine but you're losing money that's the hard part you know i think if we ask this question so we go to the bigger question of this discussion should i pay down my debt or should i invest yeah just pay down your debt now you're going well what about these corner cases and okay sure you talk to a tax tax planner certified financial planner you work on a financial plan that says it's better for you to invest than pay down your debt fine but here's what happens there's also a psychology problem People are more willing to pay down their debt than they are to invest. The debt's hanging around your neck. Investing mm-hmm. is, is, is for the future. Right. Debt you see now. Mm-hmm. If I pay down my debt, the, the debt collector stopped calling. I stopped mm-hmm. getting those bills in the mail. It's a behavior thing. Mm-hmm. What happens is I'm, I'm willing to guess. So you paid $6,000 a month towards your debt. And once the debt was paid off, you put that $6,000 a month towards your future. 100% right away. You had the behavior in place. Exactly. Exactly. If you had, instead be putting $1,000 a month towards your debt, let's just go with that number, and 5000 towards your investing, 
what will happen is, oh, well, I want to take a trip. Let me cut back on the investing. Or I change jobs. Oh, I'm not going to put as much now. And that's what it's a human nature problem. Right. You know, so getting out of the debt sets the foundation. And what happens is every time, just like you, I was paying towards debt. Now it goes to my investing. You know, it, there is an order of operations. The order of operations. Got to get on a budget. I don't care how much money you make. Got to get on a budget. By the way, you can automate it. You could do a lot of different things. It doesn't have to be giant. You know, the you came out of the zero-based budget. That's the best. You know, every dollar has a job. Works. Some people, that's too anal, so you could do something in between. Got to get a budget. Got to get out of debt. Got to have an emergency fund. Those are kind of like the three foundations for everything else. People go, well, what if I get a – I saw this one the other day. I get a, I get a life insurance policy and a home equity line to pay off my mortgage. And I'm like, what too complicated. Like, stop. That's like that, that people, that person trying to get to the fifth step. I'm like, trying to get to the fifth step. Pay off your debt. (laughs) Then we'll pay off the rest. Right. And and if you said, Hey, I want to get enough for my match at 401k. Yeah, that's fine. But realistically, 6% of your salary or whatever it is, is not going to make a difference either way. Mm Mm-hmm. My my guess is you probably actually worked a little bit more and made some extra money to get the debt gone. Actually, I didn't. You didn't. I you already making a, you were already making California money, so you know you were. Yeah, you were I, I didn't, and you know I went from being married and having some support to being going through a divorce and all of that stuff. So I had to stay home. I actually worked a little bit less, but because I was paying attention to how I spent my money, and I had already had a couple of months of that behavioral change. I was able to still meet my financial goals. Good. Yeah. I, I think when people say, hey, well, I'm losing because I'm not investing. I go, yeah, you're losing because you, you, you just went out to eat for 500 bucks last month instead of paying down your debt or investing. <laughs> you're saying, I'm going to put it towards yeah. investing. The truth is, no, you're going to put it towards stuff. Just stuff you buy. I, 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 what I see more often is just people just don't know what they're spending money on. And so their money just disappears. Yep. Right. Oh, I, I had $10,000 in my bank just earlier this week. Where did it go? That just uh, unconscious spending that we are so driven to do just because it's just the way our society is set up. One click, you buy it and boom. And you don't know friction. See. Yes. You know, <laughs> and, and I think the hard part is for people listening to this, you could get to a you get to a place where your stuff is so complex that you might hit the tax rules and all that. Fine, but you know what? You're going to end up spending thousands of dollars with a tax planner or a financial planner to, to figure out a plan that gets there. And if you're already in debt, it's going to be hard to find a thousand dollars to pay somebody to help you work on a plan that optimizes. I don't want you to worry about optimizing down to the penny. I want you to worry about making progress towards your goals. You set a goal to get out of debt in three years. That's what matters. And you met it. Give yourself a you know pat on the back and be happy about it. Not, oh, I could have made money in the market and the market went up and I should have bought a Bitcoin machine. Like, <laughs> I mean, and, I, and, I, and let me give myself some credit is that, I mean, because of those behaviors, like you said, when I, because I had those learned behaviors and because I knew how to allocate my money, that money I was putting towards my debt instantaneously went into you know, my portfolio on building wealth and just in, you know, and by the end of that third year, I was already back at six figures 
a net worth, you know? And so, or not back, but I was there at six figures net worth because of those financial habits. So it's not like I was just at zero forever because of the decisions that I made. The trajectory of my wealth grew substantially just because of those, again, behaviors, which you'll hear again and again. Well, and I, and I think I'm reading your shirt here. It says, note to self, you're doing great. That's kind of the message I'm trying to give you, which is you're doing great. Who cares on like, well, I could have optimized to a, if I looked back, look, everybody could have made decisions in hindsight. You know, this is the Monday morning quarterback. I could have done this. Yeah, you could have. You didn't. You made other choices. Give yourself some grace. Be happy where you're at and make more improvements next year. You know, I I think the hard part is just making sure you have that solid foundation before you get, you know, fancy. You know, and I it, think people are just trying to get so fancy so fast. They skip over the basics. So let's bring it back and take me out of this equation because my story is not <laughs> your average story, right? But, you know, sharing just to share that I feel like I made money mistakes on my path yet and still, and I, and I say it like in, like I did it in spite of, not because mm-hmm. of. I did it in spite of the mistakes that I've made, but I want just like for your person, just like with the average debt, you know, most people have, if people are coming to you like, okay, right now, I just need to know, should I focus on paying down my debt or should I invest? What would your general advice be? My advice is you pay off your debt, minus your house, now everything else before you invest in general. Now, by the way, you're talking about corner cases. There might be some weird word. But you know what? I find if you pay off your debt, it just tends to have momentum. Like it's a momentum builder that gets you further. And, and look at your so, – so here's – by the way, this one's going to like mess with your head, so I apologize. Here's what I'm going to do. You add up all your debt, figure out the interest rates you're paying, and figure out how much it costs you per year to have that debt. I'm going to tell you right now you're in for a rude awakening. You know, we use that example – $10,000 credit card is somewhere around, you know, two to $3,000 a year in just interest. I did this with somebody the other day. We had done the math and they have a house and a few others. It was like, like $20,000 in interest they were paying a year. I'm like, okay, so here's the deal. You're working January, February, and March to pay your interest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All of a sudden people are like, yeah, that's not what I would do. Because here's the next step. After you figure out how much interest, take how much you make per hour and do the math of how many hours you got to work. You're going to get out of debt pretty quick. Yeah. I, I think the, the bigger message for everybody, give yourself some grace. You made stupid mistakes in the past. We all did. Everyone has. You know, you, we all are still making stupid mistakes. Because I'm sure the future me, 10 years from now, would go, why didn't you invest in blank that, you know, who knows what it is. And I'm like, well, because I didn't have, you know, Nasima's uh, magic cards here, you know, crystal ball <laughs> to know in the future. But what happens is if you set the basics, so we're, we're talking, you know, th- this is going to air in January or so. And I talk about 2023 going, well, you know, it could be a rough year and people talk recession and this and the other. Here's the thing. If you have no debt and you're on a budget, you're fine. Like seriously, you're fine. Because if it has a recession, getting money out of your 401k is not easy. It's probably going to come with a penalty. But if I paid off my debt and I lose my job, I can cover my basic bills by picking up a side gig at working at McDonald's. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, around here, McDonald's actually pays 14 bucks an hour and pays the day you work. Like, you get the check that day. 
Really? Like, That's interesting. Yeah, they, I didn't know daily that. payment is a new thing. But my point is, I could pay my my day to day bills doing that if I have no debt. So here's the thing on debt. It's just kind of one of those fun ones. Let's and people go. Well, what what happens if if it's something you need, like the roof is like caved in and there's water coming to your house? I'm okay with using debt. If it's something you want, like, hey, I want this nice new pay cash. TV. Save up for oh it. Yeah. Okay. So I just had a reporter email me. <laughs> should should I take out a personal loan to pay for holiday gifts? Eek! <laughs> gifts. Are you kidding me? Gifts. Are- My email back was, are you joking? Like, like, I'm bashing the keyboard. Like, <laughs> are you kidding me? And then, then the follow-up was, well, should I do it on a personal loan or a credit card? I was like... <laughs> no, like, just, just, just stop. No, just stop. I mean, when I was growing up, we didn't have much money. My mom would bake cookies, put them in a coffee can. Remember the old yep. metal coffee can? Wrap My them grandma up. did that. That was your Christmas gift. Everybody <laughs> got a tin of cookies. Okay. And there were certain cookies you looked for. I traded with my sister. You know, these are the better right. ones. Somebody know. got peanut butter. My uncle got peanut butter. My daddy got <laughs> chocolate chip with walnuts. Like, I remember yeah. these things. Yes. And guess what? That had more meaning than if they'd given, you know, your dad a $50 bill. Exactly. All right. Exactly. My point is, got to cut debt out of your life. And you know what? Works best is cutting out cold turkey. When you're arguing about investment, you're not cutting debt out cold turkey. Mm-hmm. That's where Ramsey's got it right. His saying is, you know, you don't see the inside of a restaurant unless you're working there if you're still in debt. And he's right. Like, seriously. But that's hard for people. It's hard. It's hard. But let me tell you something. There is nothing more freeing than getting debt off of you. Debt weighs physically. The The impact of not investing not so much even though it's so great to see your returns grow i'm not gonna lie it is lovely to see my net worth grow but there is nothing like that feeling of not having debt weighing on you you know and so i 100 percent agree with what you're saying because you're just experiencing both sides of the equation and knowing what it, i mean and if you have that tangible feeling then obviously it's doing something to you physiologically yeah and a lot of people don't understand that and i think a lot of the mental health issues and this is where we're going to go back to talking about financial therapy a lot of those things tie into how many makes you feel and that makes you feel Horrible. Yep. So, all right, let's get some tangible tips on how to get out of debt since we're mm-hmm. getting that solution. First thing is close your credit cards. Now, I don't mean like literally close the accounts. You can actually go in the apps and lock them so you can't mm-hmm. use them. Now, by the way, when I ask people to do that, like they, they start shaking. They're like, I can't live without my credit card. Well, guess what? You need to. Like if, mm-hmm. they, if, if it's if it's like making you literally shake, you need to stop it immediately. So you got to stop taking out debt is the first step. Second is I got to get on a budget and I have to make paying off debt a priority. You talked about mm-hmm. $6,000 a month. Not everybody's going to be able to do $6,000 a month. If you do $6,000 a year, you're putting 500 bucks a month towards your debt. What you're not doing is, well, any money I have left over is going to my debt. Guess what? You're not going to have any money left over. Mm-hmm. You have to make it a priority. And for those with families and kids, everybody needs to be on board. Yeah. You know, I like putting it on the fridge or something and we're all working towards this. Now, my own personal theory, I'd rather my life suck for a year or two than drag it out over 10. Yes. And that's kind of where you were at. 
it's time to go scorched earth and just get it done. Yep. You know, now on TikTok, they talk about cash stuffing. Cool. The old school is envelope method. Same thing. Yeah. Same thing. But now it's fancy because it's cash stuffing. Okay. (laughs) Whatever. Go to prepaid debit cards. I don't care how you do it. Budgets are like diets. There's lots out there. They all work. What works best for you is the one that works. I don't care which app. The first month I'm budgeting is going to suck. The second month will get better. The third month will get better than that. And, you know, now I'm at a point with my budget. I know where my money goes, but everyone's all go, oh, hey, I got paid today. Like, you know, like, you know, I don't look at it enough to go, oh, you know, I know it's coming Friday. Oh, oh, this is payday Friday. Like, you know, like that's, that's where you want to get to. You want your money to be so boring. I really want you to get to you're checking your money twice a year on your net worth and all that and just kind of let it grow and do your thing. If you're looking at it every minute because you're worried how I'm going to pay my bills, that's not healthy. Yeah. It's just not. Yeah. So make debt, getting debt up focused, then we'll knock it out of the park with the investing. Mm-hmm. But let's get that debt gone first. And I know there's going to be some people that are just like, but I am check to check. How do I get ahead? Yep. So a couple things on this. When people say check or check, when I do budgets, I break things into four categories. Must, shoulds, coulds, and won'ts. Must are the things you got to keep your roof over your head. So like the house, groceries is a must. Eating out is not a must. You know, Uber Eats is not. But dining out is a poison on most people's budget. My wife and I included. That's kind of where we spend our money. But it's everything you have to pay to keep the roof over your head. Minimum payments on your cards, all that. If you don't have enough money to cover your musts, something's got to change. Either you got to move, got to get a roommate, got to get another job. There's nothing to do. Like housing yeah. in California is stupid expensive. I have no clue how you do it on a standard salary. Like I just, I, you I have can't. to be creative. You have to be creative. I mean, you saw, you heard me say I have a roommate. Like house hacking is where it's at. And people, you know, every place I live, I make sure I have a room to rent out to another nurse. And I love nurses because I have small kids. And so, you know, I feel safe around nurses. Usually they're my coworkers. So I actually know them and their background checked and their screen and they're never home because if they're here to work, they are working. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. I, I think that the reality check is housing is disconnected from reality right now. Yeah. There's like the, the all across the US, the, the, yeah. the housing costs are just so high. So if you can't cover your musts, something's got to change. If you can cover your musts, everything else is on you. Mm-hmm. Because everything else are things you should spend money on or could spend money on. And now I don't want to get into the, well, you shouldn't go to Starbucks. Look, okay, fine. You know, that's, that's an old tired debate. But the reality check is you're spending money somewhere mm-hmm. and you don't know where it is. Mm-hmm. If you're living paycheck to paycheck, chances are your debt's so high. It's part of what's killing you. You know, you're paying interest on interest on interest on interest. But you need to figure out if it's, can I not pay my musts or can I not pay everything? The other mm-hmm. way to look at wants versus needs. Needs. Basic groceries, need. Dining out, want. If you can't pay for your basic needs, you got to change something. Mm-hmm. Everybody else, you have room in your budget. You just don't want to. You know, maybe you need to cut out down to one streaming service instead of all three or whatever. You know, like. It, it but I, does think, add I up. think like the first thing that you hit on is that a lot of people try to cut out the latte factor. That's the first place that they go. Like, okay, let me ha- cut out these small things. When in all actuality, why are you living in a three bedroom by yourself? 
like move <laughs> to somewhere more affordable or have somebody else pay your pay your rent or your mortgage because once you cut out those expenses, you have so much money to put towards yeah. your financial goals. And I think a lot of people overlook the big things. I mean, the one simple thing that they can do versus like those micro daily decisions that, you know, you don't really make a big impact. Well, some people it does and some people it doesn't. Let's be real. Some people are spending way too much on a day. Like, for example, yeah, I yeah, like yeah, to see people yeah. I like phone games, spending thousands of dollars a month on like the stupid like in-app. Like, I like my Purchase. gaming, but not thousands of dollars. Yeah, that's not my world. I, I wouldn't have even thought about that. Oh, no. They, so when I'm looking at a client's budget, the first thing I do is I take their take home, like actual money in their paycheck, and then take their housing and see if it's more than a third of their take home. Mm-hmm. If it's mm -hmm. more than a third of their take home, they have a problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, mm -hmm. by like 36%, 38%, okay, whatever. Yes, whatever. Yeah. If it's more than half your paycheck, your house poor. And you know what? In California, that's like 60%. People are like at 60, 70% easily. Easily. Yep. Cause they, and they justify it. Well, it's California. I, I cannot afford to live in under a million dollar house. Well, you have to get creative. Or, move. So one of my favorite, I, I said people to make my move.com. It's a website mm. of towns that are paying you to move there. <laughs> like they're like, Oh, you got a, a work remote. They're like, I'll give you $6,000 to move here and, you know, rent assistance and, you know, access to the university. And, oh yeah. Now, by the way, they're in the middle of nowhere. I mean, you know, let's be real. They're not. Well, like, because yeah, we can talk it, about why that's an incentive for them. That's a for separate discussion. But yeah, my point is, they're like, oh, I live in California. It's expensive. Cool. What do you do? I work from home. And as soon as you said work from I'm like, move. Mm -hmm. To where? Somewhere else. Like, by the way, I mean, except for like Alaska seems to be real expensive. There's like a few like Hawaii. Like, most states are cheaper than California. I'm just, I'm not picking on California. It's just, they are. That doesn't mean you want to move to the other states, but. But let me, I'll give you an example of what I had to do for a little while, just because my family situation is I moved to Reno, Nevada, which is a just a three hour drive for me. But the cost of living was so drastically different. Instead of, like I said, I went from working two jobs, six days a week to working six days a month and still being able to save and invest and do all of those kind of things. And I lived like, I wasn't slumming it. I was living in a gated community with golf courses, pools, jacuzzi, saunas, daycare, free daycare, all this kind of crazy stuff. But it was just because I chose to move right across the border. And when I say right across the border, the California border was literally 20 minutes from my house. Yeah. Yeah. I think what happens is people go, you know, they say, I, I can't make my bills and I can't change anything. I'm like, okay, great. Then I can't help you. Let me, let's just be real on that. If you can't change anything, you're wasting my time and yours. But then I look at what they're doing. I'm like, how about changing this? How about doing that? I'm like, well, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Why? Well, because, and that's where it starts falling apart. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, every, one of the, one of the ones drives me crazy. I deserve, anything starts with, I deserve. Like, I deserve the better car. I deserve the. That's where we deserve get not that to be in debt. Financial therapy. You deserve financial therapy. But I, I, I like to say that a lot of people are afraid of being uncomfortable, like temporarily uncomfortable. 
but will stay in a position of being permanently uncomfortable because being broke or struggling with money is uncomfortable as heck. So you'll choose that existence of being permanently uncomfortable than like the two seconds of discomfort that is a little bit different from the uncomfortable that you know that will cause you to actually have greatest financial success. And people will choose that time after time. And again, that's the thing that we were talking about as far as financial therapy. What is making you stay in that place? Yeah, and I think my challenge to you is if you change nothing, you're going to be in a worse place next year than you are now. So what are you willing to change? That's, it's not, you're not going to win the Powerball. Like getting a 5% raise at work is not going to change this. Nothing. Like, you know, if you don't change, you're going to be worse off next year. Yeah. And, and I, I don't mean to be the, the downer, but like, that's reality check. No, but that's it. But that's it. And and a lot of people think, okay, like I need this big thing to happen in my life. No, just change something. <laughs> I have people that have magic numbers. If I make X, all my other stuff, will, 100 grand seems to be the, the real magic number. To the that's person. the number. That's the number. That's the number. And I'm like, where'd you pull that out of? Like, that's just a random number. That And $100,000 don't mean nothing. Okay. No, and it's not going to get you out of debt. Yeah, there, mm-hmm. there was a stat I saw somewhere. So, fifty or sixty percent of women over two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year are still living paycheck to paycheck. I can tell you, as a woman that was making two hundred thirty thousand dollars a year with no savings, living paycheck to paycheck, it's real. And I work amongst women and people like that every day. And and these are the people that argue with me on social media about how hard life is and how they can't accomplish X, Y, and Z without even like taking the actions to make at least just one simple change. Yep. And and since you said social media, if you see something on there, get you out of debt quick, the answer is wrong. Or, well, if you buy this, it'll get, no, buying something is not going to get you out of debt. <laughs> I don't need to go any further on what somebody's selling on social media today. But I saw this like this this scheme on home equity lines and pays off my mortgage and then this pay and I'm like, what are we talking about? But it sounded really good on social media. It like, sounds so like, good. You need to 10x this and do this. And I'm like, dude, no, you just need to start paying off your debt. Like seriously. Sometimes it's just those simple answers. It's just those simple things that we can do. But I think what I find is that people overcomplicate things all the time, all the time where it can just be so simple. And so that's why I love Simple Pass the Wealth, just like you. Like it does not have to be hard. It can be really, really simple. And it can just be as simple as paying off your debt. Just choose one debt right now and commit to paying that off and you'll be so much further ahead financially. Like it'll change and it'll change your behavior so that when it is time to invest, you know what to do when you built in those behaviors. So I think we covered so much and I think people are really going to benefit from this. I know I, you know, I took away a lot and do feel a lot better, even though you kind of beat me up a little bit. (laughs) 
<laughs> my job is to pat you on the back and kick you in the butt. I have to do my both. telepathy. You know, you know, I am a little bit, you know, psychic or psycho, whichever one you want to say. <laughs> do, do you have the Powerball numbers? I mean, that's what I want to know. Like seriously, I'm starting writing them down. Like I'll put two bucks that. on your answer. I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna ask Big Boy here. <laughs> Anyway, Dr. J, it has been a pleasure and as always, just imparting such great knowledge. And I know my audience will benefit from this. So I definitely appreciate you and we'll look forward to seeing you again on the show. Before you stop, ask mm-hmm. where to find me. I, I got to give oh, you a plug for my sh- website. Always. Gosh, I'm so sorry. Gotta, but I'm going mean, to, I'm going to, I'm going to put it. Everything is going to be yeah. in the show notes, by the way. But no, we need to plug your show and you're hundred percent correct. Just ask, how do you find you? Yeah. Yeah. So Dr. J, if people want to work with you, where can they find you? I am not on the social media. You know, you're trying to get me to do this TikTok thing and the dancing and twerking. And I no, I, I'm old school. I got a website, childfreewealth.com. You can check it out there. I think I have a social media somewhere under Child Free Wealth, but they tell me, I don't know. But hey, nothing else. You can come hang out with us here and we'll do some more topics here. Most definitely. So Dr. J will definitely be back joining us discussing important financial topics that you probably didn't even know you needed to know. So again, thank you, Dr. J and see you again soon. Thank you for listening to my mommy's podcast. Bye-bye. Bye.